0: This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. The opinions you're about to hear belong to the people expressing them and are not necessarily shared by Cortez Radio, its board, staff, volunteers, or listeners. BC's salmon farming companies applied to put in a new fish farm between the Discovery Islands and Broughton Archipelago and expand their existing facilities at 11 other locations around Vancouver Island. Two of the expansions at Dixon Bay and Plover Point and Clayquit Sound have already been approved. Stan Probish, Science Advisor of the Watershed Watch Salmon Society, explained.
1: The concern here is we had a promise from the federal government whereby they said in mandate letters to the Minister of Fisheries, they were going to transition the open net salmon farming industry out of B.C. by 2025. And now, looking at the federal government's website, there are 12 proposed expansions of various aspects of salmon farms across British Columbia. Two of those 12 actually have been approved. That must have just happened in the last few days. So that's the big concern. We have this promise from our federal government farms are to be removed from British Columbian waters, yet we're seeing the industry try to expand.
0: The BC Salmon Farmers Association responded that, quote, "...all changes to existing farms or for proposed new farms is in concert with First Nations, and we respect and support their rights to self-determination and governance of their territories." While we understand concerns around increased salmon capacity, not all of the amendments are concerned with increased capacity or replacement capacity. However, any increased capacity will be within licensing regulations and will not impact the health of the fish.
1: The industry is asking for one completely new salmon farm, and that site is. To be located between the Broughton Archipelago and the Discovery Islands. It's called Gagump. Four sites are being proposed to increase in production. So that's the allowable production at each site. They want to essentially raise more fish at each of these sites. Four sites are proposing an increase in the number of pens that they're allowed at that site. We see two sites, proposing to drop a maximum allowable production cap in a specific area called Clio Channel. That's a signal that they may be thinking about an expansion there. And also one is proposing that they increase the tenure size. That's the actual area delineation of the farm. And that's 12 in total.
0: Karen Riston, Executive Director of the Living Ocean Society, talked about the potential impacts of these 12 expansion projects.
2: Well, when you put more fish into a pen or into an area, more pens in the area, either way, you increase exponentially the potential for sea lice to get out of control. And that's because the little critters reproduce exponentially. So more fish, more sea lice, hosts, more reproduction. And we've already seen, even at the levels that the farms are at now, that farmers are having a great deal of trouble controlling this pest. So we can expect more problems like that. We can expect more fouling of the ocean floor with potential impacts on the creatures that live on the ocean floor. And when it comes to salmon migrating through, you have the danger that they will be exposed to all of the pathogens, all the bacteria and viruses that are contained in the effluent from the farms, as well as to the sea lice. And in years past, we've seen from the independent sampling that's been done, that there have been impacts both in terms of disease and in terms of sea lice attaching to the young fish at a rate that is almost certain to result in their death.
0: When I hear the impacts on fish discussed, I hear them in two different terms. One is, I'm going to say, black and white. The other is more gray. It's more, we expect this is what's happening, but it's not 100% proven.
2: Well, in the case of sea lice, it is black and white. We have photographic evidence of young fish covered in sea lice. We know that for sockeye, at least, probably only two sea lice on an immature sockeye would be enough to kill it. We've seen them with 10. So that's pretty black and white. There's an impact there. When you come to disease, what has been proven so far is a statistical high correlation between the presence of the pathogen in the water and in the juvenile fish and poor returns of that generation of fish. It hasn't been proven that diseases from the farms have actually killed a single fish to my knowledge, a wild fish that is, they certainly killed farm fish. It hasn't been proven because it's very difficult to prove the death of a wild fish in the sea.
0: Mac Bartlett is executive director of the Cedar Coast Field Station, which monitors salmon and sea lice in the Claquit Sound. Both of the approved expansions are in his area and more are proposed. So here we have two farm expansions and two
3: biomass expansions. I think it is, that are proposed. For myself, I would be most concerned about the additional biomass that they're considering adding at the farms here. Both of those farms are in proximity to the Moyaha River, which we consider the wild, untouched indicator river for Clackwood Sound. It's never been logged, there's no mining over there, and yet still the salmon numbers from that river are near historic lows. For Chinook, we're talking in the 10s when there used to be thousands. And those farm sites in 2018 had some of the highest sea lice levels in in BC when there was major outbreaks. So I've only been out here since 2017. Our first year of monitoring for juvenile salmon out here was in 2018, which just so happened to be the year when they had basically no mechanisms to control sea lice here in Clackwood Sound. There is resistance to slice, which is the main therapeutic that they use to control sea lice in B.C. So on an average over all the farms, it has been lower since 2018. But then when you look at individual farms, we've had many instances of them going over that three lice per fish threshold that is put in place. And interesting here actually is that the Ahouset Nation has recently put into place having a one and a half lice per fish threshold that they're implementing a requirement for Surmac to meet on their farms in Clayquot Sound. Because the three lice per fish number, there was no biological reference for that value. I know Norway has moved to having like a, a varied system depending on location. So in some areas, they're down to 0.2 or 0.5 lice. And I think some areas is one and a half lice per fish or uh, maybe even three. I'm not sure if they still use that value. I was reading some old documents on the Formation of that number as well, the three lice per fish in BC, and they were looking at it as there's a thousand wild fish to every one farmed salmon in BC. So, with this number of three lice per fish, we don't think the abundance of farmed fish that we have could ever have an influence on that. Here in Clackwood Sound, we have numbers much lower. We have millions of farmed fish and we have thousands of wild fish. So, you're looking at an inverse relationship. So, it's more like a Norway system here where we're having very few wild fish and a lot of farmed fish. So we could assume that the uh, farmed fish would potentially be having an impact on these few remaining wild
0: fish that we have. I'm looking at the two letters in which the federal government said they would phase out fish farms from the open waters by 2025. The first one is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's mandate letter for the Minister of Fisheries, Oceans and the Canadian Coast Guard dated December 13, 2019 quote, work with the province of British Columbia and indigenous communities to create a responsible plan to transition from open net pen salmon farming in coastal British Columbia waters by 2025 and begin work to introduce Canada's first-ever Aquaculture Act, Unquote. And the second is from the press release in which Fisheries Minister Bernadette Jordan announced the fish farms will be phased out in the Discovery Islands Quote, the federal government will continue working collaboratively with partners on the responsible transition from open net pen salmon farming in coastal British Columbia waters by 2025, Is it actually going to happen?
1: Well, that's an excellent question. Previous to the election that we just had, the federal government engaged in a public consultation around this removal of salmon farms. They put out a report and summarize what they heard from various groups about this issue. But beyond that, there has been no roadmap, no plan, no interim steps laid out to remove farms by 2025. There is a big deadline uh, next year, uh, that's in June 2022, when the vast majority of federal fish licenses expire. So we expect that it would be a very important moment in time where we start to hear of more salmon farms that are to be removed, but we haven't heard anything. Now we're hearing that the industry is proposing all these expansions. So it is of concern. We also have not seen the most recent um, mandate letter. So that's essentially a letter that the prime minister sends to all the federal ministers. And it's kind of like their roadmap or their their major objectives that they should achieve and focus on during their time as a minister. We haven't seen the mandate letter to the new minister of fisheries, even though parliament has already started. So we want to see a recommitment of the removal of those farms in that mandate letter and some progress or some interim steps. It's a bit surprising that they weren't released before Parliament started. There's some really reasonable reasons why that may have happened. We're, we're in a pandemic. There's also been catastrophic flooding in British Columbia. We just want some clarity and transparency from our government on where we are going with salmon farms in BC. The federal government made this promise to transition this industry out of coastal waters. So why is the industry investing money in new equipment?
3: We have something called the Salmon Round Table that meets anywhere from every few months uh, to once a month. Uh, A bunch of stakeholders, including local community members, all the the not-for-profits, Department of Fisheries, all the, the nations in the area and the aquaculture industry, everyone comes together to kind of discuss salmon. And I think it was in February, we had a round table meeting, and there's a a DFO aquaculture staff member basically saying we don't know what uh, transition away from open net Penn Salmon Farms means. We don't know if it'll mean getting the farms out, maybe we'll be adding more farms in certain areas. So I'm concerned that even with the political will to change, there might, might not be the will from within certain factions within DFO to make a change.
2: Well, I take it to be deadly serious, and I think the salmon farming industry does too. They've seen the closures beginning to happen. They're fighting back against them pretty hard. But there was no way that promise ever ought to have been made if it wasn't deadly serious. The impacts on wild salmon are nothing that any government could withstand turning their back on. So I take it very much to heart that the government intends getting open net pen salmon farms out of BC.
0: You've been listening to interviews with Stan Probish of the Watershed Watch Salmon Society, Karen Wriston, of the Living Ocean Society, and Mark Bartlett, from the Cedar Coast Field Station, as well as an email from the BC Salmon Farmers Association about 12 expansion proposals that the salmon farming industry has brought to Fisheries and Oceans Canada. The BC Salmon Farmers Association was invited to comment, but has not yet been able to respond. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, goodbye.